0: Welcome to the Untoxicated Podcast.
1: <laughs> well, I'm Sherry Salis, and that was my husband, Matt.
0: We have questions about the impact of alcohol and addiction on relationships.
1: If you have those kinds of questions, too, you're in the right place.
0: Here we go.
2: Nikki, how many
0: times have you been on the Untoxicated Podcast? Oh, boy. Uh,
1: three?
2: Two? This will be Three?
0: Well we're glad to have you back. (laughs) Thanks. Look at this crowd of people. Hey everyone. This is a roundtable episode. We haven't done this in a while. Holidays kind of got in the way. If you are a regular listener of the Intoxicated Podcast and most of our regular listeners love when it's not just me and Sherry. So we got a treat for you. Over the holidays it was episode after episode of just the two of us. I know it sounds quiet. You guys probably having a Hard time believing me that there's other people here, but they are, aren't they, Sherry? <laughs> they are here. <laughs> we
3: are. A few yes. minutes
0: ago we were eating breakfast and we are here at a marriage evolution couples retreat. And I was noticing during breakfast that the conversation had shifted from when we first got here together a couple of days ago. A couple of days ago it was polite one at a time. During breakfast, there were like nine people talking at once. I'm not sure anyone was. And we don't even have them. nine people here. Right. I know. Great at math. That's true. I
1: think I'm talking for two people when i
3: talk. Yeah. 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 Matt talks for five,
4: so
1: that's good.
0: Well, it's Truth. good that I don't make fun of Nikki that she couldn't remember if this was her second or third episode because I can't count to eight. So yeah, we got some. Well, good thing we're not talking about math here today. Yeah. But we do have a great crew, a great group of people that Sherry and I have gotten to know and truly love over the last six months to a year to two years in fact and we are here together to talk about sobriety. Mickey <laughs> just held yeah, up four fingers, it's her fourth episode. I was getting
2: <laughs> the website because we were in another roundtable thing round or table.
1: something, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's so, good. Your voice has time. been on the podcast four times.
0: Recognizable I'm sure. <laughs> Do you get fan mail yet? I don't, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> Maybe after this one. But we're, we're here together just talking about sobriety and what's great about it. And I know that sounds kind of cheesy, but that's really a direction that I want to go. I want to stop talking about addiction and alcoholism and recovery and just talk about sobriety. Because it's a lifestyle that is beneficial and uh, really enviable. And I've got a lot of nodding heads here. I wish this was TV <laughs> instead of radio. Everyone would... <laughs> Would realize re- you
1: want like recorded video podcast? Oh now? No. Yeah, should no. we go no, there? No, no.
0: <laughs> we wouldn't get as much participation. No. Nope. Well, we're glad to have everyone here. Let's let's go around. We're going to talk about relapse today. So I just get done saying we're positive thinking. We're talking about the benefits of sobriety, and now let's try Now it. let's talk about relapse. Isn't that brilliant?
2: Brilliant.
0: But it's it's in, an important topic. We're going to talk about the threat of relapse, and. Um, You know, the fact that that can be a motivating factor as well as a fearful factor and how it impacts each of us in our own lives from both the perspective of the former drinker and the spouse. So let's let's start out just talking about what our experience is with relapse. Um, We've been having so much fun together this weekend that we didn't. Prepare questions and do any. I, I treated my friends at the retreat just like I treat Sherry. Sit down. What are we going to talk about? I don't know. You'll oh, find good. out when you sit go. down. Yeah,
1: surprise.
0: But uh, but here we go. I know part of my story is that it took me ten years to get sober. Uh, lots and lots of relapses. Mine were more like longer periods. I would be sober for a few months and then drink again for a few months. Not the the kind of quick. I drank for one day. Kind of relapse. Um, but I know that my door, my story differs from a lot of people, and I talk about my story way too much. So, who wants to jump in first? Who who wants to share what relapse has been like for you so far? And I've never had a relapse. Is an acceptable answer if that's your true answer? Anyone? Tom, why don't you lead us off? Yeah, sure.
5: I'll, I'll, I'll go. <laughs> so there's
1: no time
0: for you. There was oh, going to yes, be said. I will jump I just in. Just said anyone. Boom.
5: <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, Matt, because I've thought about it and, you know, you and I have had some discussion on the relapse. So my, um, the drinking for me, I don't know That's uh, so unique, uh, but it was maybe five, six years of drinking and then being kind of forced into um, a rehab program uh, where I couldn't drink. Um, and then there were some, for me, um, some legal issues that would prohibit me from drinking. Uh, For 90 days, so I get out of the rehab, and uh, so I have 30 days of not drinking, and uh, this was my first attempt at sobriety, the the rehab facility. So 30 days there, and then 60 days of um, me being forced to be accountable and not drink. I couldn't, and so as soon as I have a taste of freedom, despite uh, the rehab, and despite uh, having close to 100 days of sobriety, um, I went and had, so for September, October, November, December, January, however many months that is, it's five, um, of... We'll have Mindy do the math. right.
0: Uh, we'll <laughs> have Nikki do the math.
5: So that's how many months of, uh, relapses there, there were for me. And I could not string together, um, 10 days of sobriety. Um, so I had, uh, so, so I had that. And then, um... My family and I kind of got uh well we I moved out and um so I had again um no accountability. So I had freedom to do whatever I wanted and I chose then to do whatever was necessary to, to get sober. And um the shout program has been huge. It's been instrumental. Um but yeah, I did it on my own. So at the end of this month, the end of this January, um, I will, if I don't drink between now and then, uh, I'll have um, a year of uh, sobriety. So the whole idea of a lapse or relapse, or whatever you want to call it, um, is both um, real and both very uh, frightening uh, for me because I know what it might look like and it keeps me um, <laughs> vigilant of not wanting to, to relapse. Um, but yeah, it's always out there and like I was talking with one of the other guys here, um, there's been just a handful of occasions where it's been an urge um, to want to drink, and so um, fortunately I haven't. But I know that people have a lot longer sobriety than me. Um, so I mean, what what do I know? It's just one of those things I'm aware of, and um, I'll pass. Well, you got a year coming up on a year, and that's uh,
0: <laughs> something to be extremely proud of. Something I know everyone at this table. Something to be has, very proud of. Yeah, the more we've gotten to know you, we're uh, we're gonna be celebrating right along with you. That's for sure. I Appreciate that, Mindy. Talk about what that period was like when he he went to the rehab. It did were you like, all right, we made it across the finish line? You know, <laughs> kind of do that.
6: Yeah. No, problem
0: no. solved, kind of thing.
6: Yeah, I didn't understand that that was the beginning of the journey. So. Honestly, we both even, after I got out of rehab, probably had some unrealistic, romantic ideas because we do like romantic movies. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, we just didn't know and I didn't know all of you. So I wasn't ready, we weren't ready at all for what it looks like on the other side. Because no one prepares you for that. Mm
0: So there's two things there, if I'm, if I'm hearing you right, there's, he came home from rehab and it's not just sunshine and roses and the relationship's perfect, but there's also then when he does, like he said, when he does relapse, I mean, that had to be a, did that slap you in the face or did Oh, I
6: flipped out. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, I had done a little bit of smart recovery where they say, well, you know, everybody relapses and it doesn't matter. That's. I can't prepare you for how you're going to feel emotionally when the relapse happens. Like, I was nowhere near ready and healthy enough. Um, Had I had this group, I would have had people to talk to. But uh, I found you all shortly after that.
0: Brandy, you're nodding your head. Were you equally frustrated by the lack of preparation? Is that what I'm reading?
3: Yes. Yeah. I I just did not have any any resources and you know just trying to survive it and it it just felt like um, we were saying a marriage counselor and she had described grief processing for different things as it comes through like waves So it's like you're trying to walk out of the ocean Mm -hmm. and the, the waves are coming and you might have a small wave and then you might have a big one, but you can't see them and you can't see the size of them and you're doing everything you can to stay on your feet and keep from getting knocked down. And that I think is the best description of what that probably a year and a half to two years look like for
0: us. I've never heard that before. I like mm-hmm. that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I'll probably think about it for a while, and then I'll start saying it like it's my own idea. Yeah. I'll start taking credit for that. But you'll mess it up just a little bit. <laughs> 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 it's That's
3: a lot great. prettier than how I originally yeah, explained it, yeah. because I used to say I felt like I was, it wasn't that I was on a roller coaster. It's like I was like chained to the back of the train of the roller coaster. So I wasn't, I didn't have the seat in the front to see that the drop was coming. I was just getting drug along and slinging everywhere. That's mm-hmm. how I used to.
0: Equally to... effective, a little bloodier. Like yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, Josh, tell us about what, uh, you know, did, did you have experience with relapse? I know you, you've got quite a bit of sobriety here now as well, but before
4: this time around, how did it go? Yeah, my relapse was, I feel like it was different. Um, did I have relapse? Yes, I feel like I did, but it was much like what Brandy's saying. It was a constant roller coaster, and it was a roller coaster before we started going to marriage counseling, which was what about two years ago? And that's when we, you know, it was just this. It seemed like it was always like in a month interval. You know, we we, I do pretty good with my drinking. Drinking was always a part of our relationship. So, and I think for a long time I I felt like I had a problem. Knew I had a problem. I wanted her to tell me I had a problem. Mm. She knew that wouldn't work to tell he, me that I had a problem.
3: He wanted me to be the accountability for him. Yeah. And I, I did initially try that, and I realized immediately that is it not going to work. Gonna work. Yeah. And so when... And he would do better for like a month, but it wasn't not drinking. It was just rules. You know, he was putting rules on it. Rules, not oh, And so yeah. he would do that, and then... Eventually, those roles, you know, you just kind of blow through those. And then when I would finally say something, it's like, well, you don't even care. You haven't said anything in all this time. And so we kind of played that game for a couple of years. It was just
4: the ups and downs. And, and then it would, yeah. you know, then my drinking would gradually get worse mm-hmm. throughout that period. And then it would come to this head where I would get really drunk and be verbally mean to her and just do stupid stuff. and um Then it was just all the regret and anxiety that comes along with the aftermath of all that and trying to put the pieces back together. And uh, it was just a continuous cycle there for a good while. And um, I'd say what last, me and Tom have talked about it a lot because a lot lot of my success in sobriety has been through fitness. And I started working out um, this, November would have been a year. Mm and I've lost a lot of weight. Uh, It's it's really helped me with it, but I didn't at first when I started the fitness part of it, I didn't, I wasn't sober. It took me till February. I still would go through those cycles, you know, where I would drink too much and we would have issues. And I guess it was in February. February will be my one year mark. The end Uh, of February.
3: But prior to that, the marriage counselor had asked him to commit to not drinking for 90 days. I yeah, I did do that. I and that started that. in May, end of April, early May of last year. And he did do 90 days without drinking, but there was no recovery work whatsoever. Um, so the entire 90 days and the aftermath was...
4: It was a love relationship it, with you as, it, far as Yeah, it yeah. was
3: thankful that we were doing this to force this, but it was me. I was forcing this and he was doing this for me and... And it wasn't enough.
0: As you started to get toward the end of the 90 days, were you planning your celebration, alcohol included, and were you fearful of that?
3: The entire entire 90 days, I was just anticipating that he was going to say, well, this isn't fixing anything and I'm going to drink. And he was basically telling me that, but without drinking for that 90 days. Uh, So I just expected it. I I knew that that 90 days was going to or however many days he made it, it was going to come to an end, and it was going to be the same because, like I said, there was no recovery work in there. So what it was just, just being sober. What was
0: your mindset, Josh? Were you I would, planning to drink at the end of the month? I would
4: very much agree with her because uh, me and Tom were talking about it, or maybe it was me and you last night, we were talking about how we went to the marriage counselor, and I told you that I, I've i been back to her since I've been sober. And uh, one of the things she said after that 90 days is, like, I don't think y'all's issue is your drinking, Josh. She And I, whether she meant it that way or she didn't, that's the way I took it. Yeah. So permission, right? That was a permission or a license to yeah, act up, you know. And um, that just threw fuel on the fire for me. Um, and unfortunately, at that time, we had not found you guys yet. Um, I think if we had at that time that would have been a a big blessing in there yes. which oh,
0: I wish that had been worded differently by the counselor mm-hmm. I, there's yeah. obviously there's always underlying causes there's once we get sober there's so much work that's when the that's the start line not mm-hmm. the finish line sobriety is right but to say that drinking's not the problem like drinking's the thing covering the real problem right. you got to get it out of the and way first but,
3: I have a different perception of that, because that was exactly what she said when we went to her the first time, that there are these underlying problems, and alcohol is the accelerant here, so we Mm -hmm. have to remove that so that we can work on these things, and he removed the alcohol, and we were going to her, and it, it was very frustrating for me, and like when we were sitting around talking, and I was saying, I recognize, you know, what, the other Josh, what, like that shutting down... I shut down in those therapy sessions because he would walk in there and say all the right things mm-hmm. and it, it sounded great. And I was like, bullshit. But it's not. <laughs> yeah. So I was just like, I'm not participating in this. Yeah. Like, this is bullshit. Because so, then it makes it about yeah, so, us and like right.
2: us being the problem or we're mm-hmm. too picky or we're too, you know, right. critical My expectations. Over- yeah. Yeah. yeah.
3: But I, I just didn't get the same The drinking wasn't the problem. I think that... Maybe that's how he took it. I didn't at all. I took it as taking away alcohol isn't going to fix it. Mm-hmm. You have to work on these things like every day, not just when you come in to see me. Yeah. You have to work on these and be intentional about it. Um, but just taking away the alcohol was never going to fix it. That was never the intent. It yeah. was so that you could fix these things.
0: I think you're both right. And also, had I been in your shoes, I would have heard exactly what I, right. right. I, I 100% get that. Yeah, I do. Crazy. So that's all,
1: because that's all you would have been looking for mm-hmm. is validation. Is validation that it's not alcohol? Mm-hmm. It's share. You have the alcohol problem. You mm-hmm. have the issues. You're creating right. the issues. You're creating the problems. And yeah, I got a little bit of stuff mixed yeah, in, and
4: yeah. you know, there's no question. Like, and I see that now, but I didn't at the time. You know, and it's, mm-hmm. it's one of the unfortunate effects of alcohol. You know, and um, I don't know. It's funny. is that February. Um, I had been to some business meetings for a few days, and we had actually had, we were going through a really good period, and I, what was crazy is I didn't know it. Um, we had seen a lawyer, and we had talked about divorce to that point, and...
3: I had an apartment. She had
4: an apartment.
3: That it was completely ready for me to move into, and I never moved out.
4: Yep. She never moved out, and I, I didn't realize that, you know, I i had gone to these meetings in Dallas for a few, a few days, and... I was on my way home and everything was good. And for whatever reason, I stopped by the Mexican restaurant on the way home and had had me a good lunch and decided to have a few margaritas. Well, that didn't quit. I had to go to the local pub and Mm -hmm. ended up getting asked to leave the local local pub at one or two o'clock in the afternoon. I mean, that's just not like me, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And it was, um, I guess it took that moment for something finally went off in my mind. I was like, I'm losing my family, I'm going to lose my children, I'm going to lose my wife. And, uh, and I did not want that. I didn't want it, but I wanted to continue to drink, you know, mm-hmm. as bad as I wanted to. I say that, I mean, I I knew I had a problem, but I just didn't know how to fix it. And thank God something something clicked in me. And uh,
0: Well, you you talked about the, you guys talked about the rules, putting rules around it that's that reconciling I, I want all of this to be fixed I want all this to go away but I still want to drink
5: yeah.
0: and been, you and I have talked a lot Josh about the fact that we have a similar background and upbringing and sobriety for me was just never an option I didn't see it anywhere everyone in my family drank yes. all of my friends drank so this concept of not drinking was I mean that's reserved for the the gutter bum alcoholic I mean I can't even process that. Exactly. So a crossing that line. is so difficult. Yeah. So. And
4: and that, that moment getting kicked out of that little pub that day was that gutter, that gutter yep, moment that's for right. me. And <laughs> why, why that, why that worked? I don't know, but it did. And I'm, I'm thankful for it. And, um, we're talking about relapse. I feel like as far as now, um, I'm so far along in my physical fitness and where I am now, I, I really don't worry about relapse at all. It's, I've gotten in the mindset of self-improvement every day, trying to be my best self every day and be as good as I can for Brandy, for the kids, for my employees at work, for my family, for friends. I mean, for you guys here. I mean, I just want to be the best person I can be every day, and I cannot be that person with alcohol. I, can, I just can't.
0: Well, your commitment is admirable. Every morning that we've woken up here in the mountains, you've been when I've woken up, I should say, you've been gone off in the uh, freezing temperatures to to get your miles in in the morning. That's been great. One of the things that you talked about was that you almost wanted to get to, to have Brandy tell you enough's enough, and to get that kind of encouragement in that direction. Josh, other, other Josh, you were just dubbed other Josh. Josh, I'm sorry. I think you, <laughs> you, sorry. you, you sorry. might listener, you might be able to pick up from the accents. <laughs> the I'm different Josh. He said Joshua, <laughs> so we can call him Joshua. Joshua, you you have talked about in our time here spent together this weekend that you almost wanted to get caught sometimes too. Was was that similar? Were you looking for Nikki to kind of lay down the
7: law and say no more? I think that was just subconscious so because that's really the way it happened. Mm-hmm. If I was just magically caught by her one night before Thanksgiving, well, that and then was that's, a
2: couple of nights before that. I caught know, you doing stuff too.
7: But like, you know, for me, it was uh, finally being slapped in the face with losing everything, family. It just made me stop. I knew I finally had to do something about it. Even though there was a part of me still there when I was sitting in the corner of that of the room in that meeting thing, and I was like, you know, I don't want to just come here to get her off my back. I and mean, eventually, it's gonna blow over, but. You know, you I heard what I need to hear and I knew deep down I needed to stop. It was destroying everything. And you know, that it's just the way it kept going. I didn't want to be that little hermit laying downstairs hiding from everyone anymore.
0: You know. That's fascinating and, and I think again, like like a lot of the resonating topics that we're discussing, not uncommon. So you went to AA to get her off your back, but you said you heard what you needed to hear.
7: Yeah. Um, so the message got through so even though you were just. It wasn't my first time in in the rooms, and um, but uh, I, it was a it was a different kind of meeting. It wasn't like a gigantic one that I used to go to, so it was more close knit. And people were chasing after me to tell me to get a sponsor and help. And I was like, no, no, no. I ran out, but I did listen a little bit. And then I happened to find my sponsor, and then, then in the Saturday meeting after Thanksgiving, and I just heard every everything he said was exactly like me. Hmm. So it just resonated, and I decided to... Uh, so, and I'm not the kind of person to ask for help, and I decided to walk up to him and ask him to help me. And then the rest is all history. That's and great. It that was about three years, a little over three years ago. Three so,
0: years, that's great.
2: We talked um, on this trip a lot about how the women have, at some point, um, not valued our spouse's opinion on anything, or really anything they have to say because of the damage, the lies, the, you know, the endless amounts of bullshit to be, (laughs) no lack of better word there, but, um, I didn't believe he was an alcoholic. And so the first time when he decided to go to AA, I just looked at him and I'm like, why? Like, you're not an alcoholic. You don't drink every day. You don't do these things. And... you know, he actually had me go to one of the meetings with him, and it was in, like, the basement of a hospital, and there was, like, oh, my gosh, there had been, like, 50 people there, and, yeah, probably more than that, and, like, they had speakers, and I'm just listening, and I'm, like, this guy went to jail, this guy went to, like, out of rehab, like, you're nothing like them, like, why are we here, and, like, I was so confused, and, I didn't understand and I didn't even like he used the word relapse I'm like relapse because you're not an alcoholic like what and so I got in my mind that I'm like he has convinced himself of so many things over the years that he is and I'm like oh this is just another thing he's convincing himself of because he wants pity or he wants um attention or something like that and so right there and there, I wasn't valuing anything he was telling me, and I'm just like, oh, "I'm not going to believe that." Like, you can go to those meetings, but I don't think they're going to help you because you're not an alcoholic. So then, you know, I he stopped. He had stopped drinking for uh, many years when he was doing fitness. Um, he lost a ton of weight and was obsessed. I call him his obsessions. And he had a lot of those, and, like, it it would travel from thing to thing to thing, and I'm just like, okay, well, you're fit, you're not drinking, and now you're sort of drinking again, even though he would tell people he was an addict when he was not drinking, and, oh, yeah, well, that's like saying, you know, uh, someone who takes Coke you can do it one more time, because he'd have friends, he'd be like, oh, just have one, and he's like, I can't do that, and I'm like, what are you talking about, like, you're not an addict, but whatever, you know? And I wanted him to drink, because he's more fun when he drink. He was more social. <laughs> and, like, Josh is very quiet.
0: Um, well, he was on the first night, but last night he was pretty wild and crazy, Once, so. once
1: he gets used to yeah. you, then, like, yes, yeah. he, he does it, open Well, it up. just lets down your guard right. and kind of, you know, breaks the inhibition as icebreaker, so then you get... <laughs> A lot of people right. are like that, but... So you didn't see him drinking. No, I... And I, that...
2: I didn't, and that's why I was like, you're not an alcoholic, what are you talking about? And then one day, he left a receipt playing his freaking day on by the TV, and I just happened to read, and it was like a Jack and Coke or something at a bar, like three shots or something. And I'm like, what the heck is this? I'm like, he's leaving this out in the open, he knows I'm going to see it, and I'm like, and he's like, oh, I'm sorry, it was just a relapse, and I'm like relapse like you're you know it's just this back and forth this yo-yo of like me not wanting to believe it because he hid it from me and I just didn't recognize that he was actually hiding it from me and then yeah well it seemed to be a pattern with that anytime you have been caught it was typically because we had a really bad fight and that was another way for you to blame me
1: um to do what you were doing and excuse an excuse to drink yeah. and then, it, then the I need to be caught and leaving little hints like I'm back to drinking because you made me do this I got a lot of that from Matt well you weren't supportive or we right. had an argument I need that right. but you wanted me to know
2: well and like I said he had obsession so he had other things that he was dabbling in that I can tell he was like sort of getting addicted to because the one day I'm like I'm just going to dump this stuff and like He's like freaking out and ready to come home and be like, No, you're not. And I'm like, Whoa, like, yes, I am. And then I thought he was vaping, and it was just like these little things that he kept doing. And it just, something wasn't clicking. And then he got into this like kratom kick where he's like, Oh, I'm just on kratom, even though he was literally acting drunk. And he had me convinced, and I, like, for whatever reason, even though I didn't value a lot of what he said, I believed that it was this kratom because I just couldn't believe that it was alcohol. And, like, it ended up being both. I mean, he was mixing kratom with alcohol, and it caused him to be drunk. And that's how he got caught with our um, our daughter at the time. And that's kind of was my last straw, and it was my ultimatum of either get the hell out or you're going to go to aa you're going to get a sponsor and you're going to therapy because i knew from
0: you're not an alcoholic and what is this all about to oh yes you are and let's get after it
2: because now it made sense it it, when i went out to his car because i knew that the bottle that i had found that night was very small and he was very drunk and I knew that would not have gotten him to the point or level he was at, so my gut told me, "Go check his car," and I went out to his car in like the middle of the night before Thanksgiving and shaking and all because I was so upset, and I found like five bottles in his car, not even hidden plain in and sight. And you
0: think that was a subconscious maybe I'll get caught thing too,
7: Josh probably wanted mm-hmm. to go to jail, yeah, mm-hmm. I needed to hear someone of authority. At- to tell me I need to stop, and in my head she was somebody of authority. So sure, I needed to hear that it's either us or that. And in my head, so, Nikki is someone of authority yeah, too. For, so for me, <laughs> for me to hear that—that that was what you know. And like, um, my brother came over and even put me to bed that night. Mm-hmm. And he still, you know, doesn't want to talk about it. But he was the only one out of all my friends that probably came anyway. Hmm. You know? Oh yeah,
2: I called people she, and no one showed up at him, and I needed someone else to help him that night because it couldn't come from me
7: and I respected him a lot so Yeah. yeah
2: but that was that was my final straw like you need and I knew that the kratom it just clicked like okay it's been alcohol the whole time and I've been deceived and like he really hid that from me and he's been doing that for months because we've been seeing this drunk behavior and thinking it's this kratom and I'm just like no like You're going to therapy too, because I know this is a mask, because we had issues before the alcohol of his childhood trauma, and like I knew he had to heal that, and I knew if he didn't heal that, he was going to continue drinking the rest of his life.
0: You know what's really fascinating? First time around the table, we've heard from everybody so far. The thing that stands out to me is there are at least, I can think, maybe more than four, at least four specific examples of where... Because as a society as a whole, we're uneducated about this disease. We didn't know what the hell was going on and would have made different decisions had we. We tried things that were ineffective because we didn't know any better. Um, so that's that's kind of the bigger picture. That doesn't necessarily, I mean, it obviously did impact the eight of us. But it's just so sad that this is an unspoken thing and that you can get into your you know, past your 20s into your 30s into your 40s and not have a clue about yes. what addiction really looks like and have it cause this much damage when, when there are what the eight of us can all see the red flags now, but no chance at the time they were waving in our face. Mm-hmm. One more thing I want to ask you, Josh, specifically about what you've talked about so far. That when you said you went to the smaller meeting and that's where the message got through, is that I know that your your AA group, would you call it your home group, is really important to you? Yeah. Is that the same group still today?
7: Well, it's called the Alamo Club, and it's just a whole bunch of meetings everywhere, and then pretty much ninety percent of them is all us. Yeah, uh, you know, after COVID, people stopped coming because all the Zoom meetings and everything. But there was probably I'd say about ten of them in there in that room, and eight of them at least came chasing after me because that's that's the way my group is. We always one of the coms um, it's kind of like a verbal contract you they help you you, you uh, agree to help other people, yeah, so I was just ready to i didn't I not didn't want to listen to that that night, but part of it stuck through, and I came back, and that's what happened, so
2: but your home group was essentially after you made it through the steps, then you got invited to like yeah our their home own group, private meeting
7: we have a closed meeting where it's just us, Yeah. but um you know if someone finds us and walks in, we're not going to tell them to go away, but right. But well, most of us go to that place every like,
5: I mean,
0: few days a week. I just um, think that's that really place. important because the, like, the message from that for me is <clears throat> keep looking. You'll find your group. Mm-hmm. It might not be the first try. It might not be the second try. It might be Shout Sobriety. It might not be Shout Sobriety. But they're out there because I know I've heard you talk for the couple of years I've known you now about that group. And I know how important that some of those our, people are to you.
7: Our group is really different than regular other groups like you'll I mean I've, I'll go to other meetings and I won't without words it's only just me and we'll hear things and it'll be like no but, so it is kind of like a unicorn our, you know which is the way our group runs everything it's just different yeah it, it works better. keep than, looking until you find your unicorn yeah, it works better than other
0: meetings that's you know that's great but, that's great so we've got so was this Thanksgiving was three years right three years. 2019 okay So we've got three years and then a couple of of couples coming up on a year here, which is just really outstanding. So what we want to talk about is what does the, the, I hate to use the word threat, but I'm going to, what does that threat of relapse look like and what does it do for you going forward? And I want to start while you guys are thinking about how to address that, I want to start by just sharing... I know somebody and, and Tom knows this this person as well and I don't want to be any more specific than that but this person just lost a child right before Christmas and I know that there was a time you know for the first year plus of my sobriety when I said boy I feel pretty good I feel like relapse is unlikely but there are a few things that could make it happen and something like that was certainly on my list I I feel like you know You you never know for sure. But I feel like at this point, um, you know, I don't even want to say those words out loud, but I could get through anything. I feel like without turning to alcohol because I do not because um, I hate it so much more. So I love sobriety so much. So I've run towards something instead of away from something. So I feel like that the threat is lower for me. But I do still I love the respect that everybody in this room has for the, the possibility that anything could happen. Um, but that certainly shifted as I went along, which is why I thought this would be a good topic. My first year plus, I knew there were things that could make me relapse. Um, so I just want to check in with you folks. How, do you have you know a mental list of, oh my God, I hope this never happens, but if it does, that might be the thing? Are there things that you're specifically worried about? Or is there just kind of humility that keeps you sober? Does anyone want to jump in on that first?
2: For me, it was more about his recovery work.
0: He's doing the work? Mm -hmm. Okay.
2: Because I felt as long as he was healing parts of him, that there's always a chance that he could quit again. Mm -hmm. Because his mind was getting stronger and he was more self-aware and more um, less foggy. And I knew that, and I just, in my head, I'm going, if he does relapse, I don't think it would be long before he quit because he was determined, and that's why he has
4: three years. I
2: mean, we've gone through some, you know, um, I don't even know what you would call it, but where things were questionable, um, and I was still holding on to the needing to find proof Um, searching for the receipts, searching, (laughs) tasting bottles of, you know, things that aren't alcohol, thinking he was putting alcohol in there. So, like, his behaviors and stuff were, he wasn't always in active recovery. And so once he was, and he was showing me that, his, like, he's a very intelligent person. And, like, those sides of him really came out. And I'm like, there's no way if he did relapse that he would, like, Stick to that lifestyle again because he's not that person anymore. So, for me, it's if it is a fear, it's like kind of mild at this point because I feel like he's strong enough to get back out of it.
0: That's a really interesting. So, mm-hmm. it's almost like the recovery work builds the foundation, right? And even if there's a, a rumble, the foundation's going to be solid, yeah. also
6: yeah, so think community, That's right? I cut you off, Josh. Mm-hmm. No, you all have, you know, we've all found community, which we talked about at Christmas, but. You know, your partner can't be your person to check in with. You know, you have to find the people that have, like you found the room and you have your connections and shout and um, that's super important and like I am less afraid of relapse because I have a community to support me and if it rears its head, I don't need to go running. Right. You Mm -hmm. can work
2: through it. Well, we talked about that yesterday, like that was our initial thing that we thought we would have to do is run. And now that we actually have the supportive community, um, there are other people in our group who don't just up and run and they know how to now process it and like really focus on themselves and build themselves up. So it's not really about them and, you know, their recovery is their recovery. And we can, we know we can't force them to do anything So I think it's just, yeah, it's a different
0: place. Tom, I know fear of relapse is a really motivating factor for you in your sobriety. How does it make you feel to hear your wife say, you know, obviously I don't want him to relapse, but I feel like I've got the support system and the reality check and the tools in case it were to happen. How does that impact your, uh, you know, your desire to not relapse or
5: the importance of that? Well, <clears throat> probably a little more relieved, yeah, for sure, but, um, it doesn't matter that you're, I, I take, the, with all due respect, I mean, I, uh, a little bit of, of solace and comfort in knowing that she's not going to flip out, but I don't want to put her in that position. I mean, I know, because, uh, I'm not, I wasn't born yesterday, I know, um, <laughs> finally, Bill, finally we're in a safe place, and then a relapse, um. Just uh yanks the floor right out from under her from us, and uh so yeah uh, she's uh further along um in her growth and recovery as well, but it's still the the fact remains and it's not just it's not just mindy i mean it's, there's there's three kids that I do something um that looks like a lapse um Indir- directly or indirectly affects them how they think about me um you know it takes long to to build uh it takes a lifetime to build trust and it takes one night and uh of a mistake and your reputation that you work so hard for is gone so i mean it's shattered um so i believe mindy in that regard and i know how important echoes is to her uh, and her other friends that she does have support it's not going to be a flip out but um
2: well, it might be, but we'll be there to... You know. We'll, we'll <laughs> then, I'll yeah. yes. <laughs> <It's> not say it to them. not you. Yeah, so I don't know,
5: but there's a little bit... So maybe we have a bit more of a balance, her and mm-hmm. I, but it doesn't matter. I mean, it's still like we talked about yesterday. I mean, it's still... Um, for us to get to a place where we are comfortable um, with one another and have that trust, um, it would still ultimately come down to something that I did Um, that would destroy that and like Josh and I talked about the other thing that keeps me going is um, I guess not really but I mean theoretically I guess if I were in such a place that I could have a beer and leave it at that and be a different then maybe but there's also that fear I gonna go back to the one beer turns into later that week six beers and then turns into eight then turns into twelve and then I'm right back to where I was and then um, you can only go to the well so many times. Um, and I know this is first, first go around really, for Mindy and I on this part of the recovery thing, I guess. And, um, yeah, you can only go back to that place so many times of trying to, um, you know, the sky is falling, the sky is falling, and all of a sudden, I'm, F-, F I'm done. I'm out. I tried. I supported you. I did it. I did my work. And here I'm, we are. I'm glad you brought up the kids.
0: You get, your kids are young adults. Correct. And so, they have, they, uh... You know, own their own free will at this point. They could say, "Dad, you know that crushed me. I'm I'm done." And and the relationship could be God knows what. Could be over. Um, When you've got younger children, I always felt like I got more time to save this if I run it off the rails. I I feel like in knowing you, Tom, that that's as big a motivating factor, perhaps even more than because Minnie's doing the work, and you know. She understands, but, uh, you know, I, I feel like that's a huge motivating factor to you, and I give you a ton of credit for that, that that your relationship with your kids is so important. That's one of the things we said on the first night we got here. All the conversation was about family. You know, we all knew each other to a small degree, but boom, after uh, 24 hours, we know everyone's ages and what sports they play and what their activities are and what part of the country they're living in. Do you is that a blessing for you that your kids are adults and you know that they are part of your accountability system?
5: Yeah, it is. It's enough to motivate me uh, to not. Uh, I don't know what things would have looked like for Mindy and I if this had happened when the kids were eight or nine or twelve or whatever. So yeah, I, that I do have that. We talked about some of the stuff that one of them, is, you know, is going through with their uh, dry January, and um, so you know how important it is. But you know the thing. Uh, that you and I talked about the other night is if the big thing that would push me over the edge is if for in their eyes, if I became somewhat inconsequential, that all of a sudden it's, um, wow, um, I'm done. I've, I've, I've written dad off. Um, and I, I think that would, that would compel me to be um, that thing that you and I talked about. I think I'm pretty confident, like Josh, and like Josh for three years, I'm pretty confident that I'm not. There's a few things that would probably propel me to, and that would be one of them: that I was no longer significant, that was invisible to them. And the one way, one one quick way to get there is to uh, violate their trust. It took so long; it took over a year to restore. That says so much about your character and who you are, and who we've
0: grown to know you to be. You've been so active in your kids' lives all growing up, so it's it's not a surprise to anyone.
6: Yeah, he's a he always he's the fun parent. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs>
0: Oh, <laughs> they, you're a ton of like fun. me
6: now, you know, but no, he had a, you know, he's a really good dad and yeah. already had a foundation. And that might be why they have less tolerance, because they just want their dad. Yeah. Huh. And that dad doesn't need the alcohol to be fine, because that wasn't a part of our story while we were raising the kids. You know, yeah. it's been a relatively new Thing In our relationship So the kids know him Prior And that's the guy they like Yeah Well I, I have a younger daughter And Josh's.
2: is um, He would always tell me Well it's okay she was young She's not going to remember And that was like his line That he would say over and over again But I'm like well yeah But now you have each year you're getting sober, well, now she is going to remember. So, like, if you do, like, that should be your motivation now is because if you do relapse, she's going to remember that. She yeah. may not have remembered things from, you know, three or four years ago. She
7: still remembers that night. She does. Yeah, they're,
0: they're intuitive. They pick up on a lot. I know and she blamed herself
2: (laughs) she blamed herself at four years old for that night she thought it had something to do with a tv show they were watching and that I got mad over a tv show and that's why daddy was on the floor crying and upset and I'm like oh my gosh she's been living her like child years thinking that that night was her fault and we just found that out like oh I don't know maybe six seven months ago and that broke my heart in therapy when she said that to her therapist because I was just like, what? Like, I would have never imagined that she would have put that pressure on her.
0: Is that one of your motivating factors for staying sober, Josh? Knowing um, that your daughter blamed herself and that you don't ever want to put her in that position again?
7: Well, I just rediscovered my family and, um, you know, in my group we have saw all these tools that to teach us where... Um, if I ever relapse, it means I completely disregarded everything I learned and my family. Because I've got all these phone calls I have to make. I've got all these things I do at night, and it's just having keeping them in my life is yeah a huge motivation. And I know how much I'm going to lose if I were to do that again. I've rebuilt my life since 2019 when I lost my job at the steel place, partly because I was I was an a-hole, but I've just put too much work into it to give up. And I don't, I don't, you know, I'm never going to say that I won't ever again drink, but I don't see what would come along to make me do that. Yeah. yeah. Take an immense amount. And like Nikki said, even if I did, it wouldn't last more than a couple nights. Either I would do it so much to where I wouldn't be here anymore, or I'd wake up and realize that what I'm doing is wrong and I need to get back on track. <laughs>
2: don't say that. Jeez, be I, here
7: anymore. People, I mean, re, re, you know we we I've spent enough time. I see how it happens we We've learned because there's a few people in our group that have gone down that road and sure. there's, there's always signs and the the good thing about having the, it's the fellowship of people around you doing it on your own, and you don't have that, but like when you have a group of people around you seeing everything they'll see it before you do
2: you know. Yeah. Or you have a spitfire of a wife who contacts your sponsor when I notice that's something's right.
7: up. That's a whole different episode,
0: Nick. I know. <laughs> contacting the sponsor. But I do love that, you know, we talk about time and time and sobriety. It's not just a number. You don't, like, when I talk to you and when I hear what you just said, I don't hear a number when I hear three years. I hear a ton of work mm-hmm. and effort. And, and you don't want to betray that. And that's way different than just putting, a, you know, a clock on something. So that's really admirable. Brandy, what is your so your your kids are more formative age. Your kids are young, younger. Yes. What does the timing mean for you? Can you talk about that a little bit? I mean, obviously they're old enough that they've seen some things, but they're young enough that maybe, you know, maybe it's early enough. I don't I don't want to put words in your mouth. What does this mean to you the timing?
3: The timing in recovery? Yeah.
0: Like, like, where where your kids' ages were when you guys found sobriety? Um,
3: initially, I, I mean, I knew that the oldest, that he, he was picking up on more than we initially thought, and that it was affecting him a lot more. And it was actually a really big confrontation with us. Um, he didn't believe that. Um... And I didn't really Josh think didn't, it, Josh didn't believe, didn't believe it. Yeah. Um and I didn't think it affected the younger two as much. Um, my my final straw was the middle one walking into us having a fight and she's, she lost it. She screamed at both of us and um, it was it was awful. That was my final straw. I didn't think it affected her beyond that one event. I thought that, because she's very emotional, she's got the biggest heart in the world. I thought that it was just too much for her to have that one experience. Um, Now, a year into it, not just with things that um, we've talked about through the year as he's recovered, but through me learning, I, I see that it affected all of them. And... That's what was hard for me to hear when Tom was talking, but I mean I'm not I'm not naive. I know that relapse is possible and I'm I'm extremely proud of how far he's come. And I'm, I believe him when he says that he doesn't think there's anything that could make him drink, but I'm not a pessimist, I, I'm an extreme realist. Sure. Um, it's it's a real possibility. And the first Six months, you know, I kind of felt like I, in ways, initially I felt like I was an idiot for trying to stick it out for one more attempt Mm because I was just like, I just don't know. I just, I was just, I was just waiting to play the fool is what I felt like. And, you know, the last five or six months, I don't feel that way. I feel like, you know, if we had that happen, we're in different places and we, we can survive that. But then in listening to Tom talk it, you know it just that's what's really good about these groups is people prompt you to think about things in a different way just even though the experience isn't the same it just makes you think about things in a bigger picture and I mean the reality is I don't know how I would survive going back to to be in the glue that holds it all together mm. and knowing That it affects the kids in a much bigger way than I even acknowledged at that time. I know more now. I would see it more. And not just would he break my heart, but he would break my children's hearts. And that hurts a woman in, in a way that's not able to be repaired.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
3: And I know that's heavy and that's so negative, but I don't think that's where we are. And I don't think that's where we're headed. But that is... That's real. It is real.
8: It's real. Well, it's a different relationship, like that you have with your spouse versus that you have with your children because they don't understand that kind of love and there is that difference. And then you put the age and in on it, you know, they don't, even as young adults, they haven't had that life experience that you and Tom, those years, you know, so that would be heartbreaking. And then, you know, we hear, A lot of times where they're like, well, the kids, they're teenagers and they want me to get divorced from their father who's drinking. They don't understand the work that's gone in and the history there. All they see is the pain and it can be, they can kind of have that sense of I can cut this person out of my life. Well, it's black and white for them. And, you know, it is hard because you don't want them to and you know that not only the drinking but then the, you know the cutting them out of their life like that's just going to be a life long journey and healing or pain that they maybe don't heal
2: yeah well and we have to we have this weight on our shoulders of like what their futures would pan out as as well and would they go down the same cycled path that we did because that's what they saw growing up like that's the weight on our shoulders too, not just about how long uh, sobriety is or relapses, but it's staying, knowing that that could be a possibility. Right. And like that, that's scary too. Well, that,
0: that's what I wanted to ask you about, Josh, because as I referenced earlier, you and I have a very similar background and upbringing in that alcohol was always just kind of predestined. How does it feel when your kids are still at formative ages... To be showing them an alternative. Because I know they still have extended family and, and you know town, people in the town and that they see that for whom alcohol is just a given. Does, is that part of what keeps you from relapsing? That you're uh, showing them a different path, a different option?
4: There's no question. Um, in fact, it's, it's uh, I totally agree with what Brandy's saying. I, I didn't see it for a long time that it affected the kids. I knew it had affected them, the older two some, mm-hmm. but it's like what you were saying. I just, I grew up in that atmosphere. Like it was always like an accepted thing in my life. You know, it's like, um, uh, alcohol was just, it was just always there and it wasn't frowned upon, you know? I mean, um, uh, pretty common. <laughs>
2: it was, it was just
4: common everyday thing. It was, uh, but it's, I mean, my kids and my family have always been very important to me. Every, even when I was drinking, but I I didn't realize how bad or what the drinking had done to me to blur my vision as far as what you know. I I thought, I guess I didn't realize how much it was affecting them. I'm sure I'm not putting that right, but um, no, I think I feel I feel blessed that I have decided to quit. When I did quit. I know it did affect them. I think it's going to have a positive effect on them moving forward. And, I mean, that's just one of my ultimate goals is to be the best person I can be for them, to raise good, productive kids. Um, I mean, family is so important to me because a lot of, like, my business, I mean, I farm and ranch. It's a family-owned business. It's, I'm fifth generation. Got five, you know, four generations before me. I could not do what I do without the generations before me, and I'm going to need the next generation to take after what 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 I'm doing now. You know, I mean, they're at some point whether they decide to want to farm or somebody's got to manage it. Somebody's got to do something with it. I would hate to see something happen to it, but um, going down the path I was going, I, I mean, it, it just. <laughs> My vision was not going to come, come true, yeah. you know, and, uh, I know I'm on the right path now. I think like we we're talking about relapse and like what Josh was saying and what Tom was saying. I think like I, the way I explain it now, I have the tools in the toolbox to handle the situations now where before I didn't, uh, alcohol was in control. I was not in control. And now I feel like I'm in control I've got so many experiences with sobriety that have been so positive for me up until this point. I don't know why I'd want to go back there. Yeah. I don't know why I'd want to go back to feeling like shit every day, you know? Just waking up with a hangover and foggy headed and not being able to be there for her. I mean, there was a lot of times I was there, but I wasn't. I was just this empty soul, you know? And and uh, yeah. I just... I, 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 can't go back.
0: A great example of that is one of the stories when we when we have been talking about family a lot on this weekend, Brandy talked about you guys spent a lot of time in the summers at the Ball Diamond oh, yeah. and she was looking for you once, couldn't figure out where you were and you had stepped in, you were coaching first base because one of the coaches didn't, didn't show up and what a meaningful experience that was for her and uh, I know everyone here, I know the kind of family people we have here today so that doesn't surprise me one bit that you would jump in and want to be a part of Not only your own kids' lives, but the community's lives. Before we go, I want to hit one more very much related topic that I think it's really, really important for our listeners to hear. And so I want to specifically hear from the spouses about, you know, when you're in sobriety and relapse is a topic and it's something that you're worried about or you're trying to prepare for or you're trying to prevent in some way. You have to keep your defenses up, the the tools that you put in place to protect yourself from alcohol and from addiction when it was an active part of your life. And you can't just drop that and say, we're sober, yay, because not only is that naive, but it puts you in a vulnerable state and you don't ever want to go back to that again. And one of the things that we hear a lot about from people is, okay, I've detached, I've disconnected, I've done the things that I've been taught to do from this person but now they're sober you know what does that look like to reattach and the thing that Sherry and I often say is don't rush that you know, it'll come take your time with it but you got to put yourself first and protect yourself what is that what does that feel like you want to be supportive of your alcoholic but you also got to protect yourself i know that's a that's a tough question to tackle
2: i still struggle with it i mean he's 3 years sober and i still have problems um being cold or i can't make eye contact when he comes in the door because i still don't know even though i know i still don't know in a weird
1: way like i don't know what i'm gonna get you know but you don't feel there right isn't that feeling
7: of that right. security. the
2: tension is there, and it's like, okay, is he in a good mood? Is he gonna greet us? Is he gonna go downstairs? And I, it's so so hard for me to drop that. And now it's it's helped a little bit because he's gained a relationship with um, his daughter again. And now she actually runs and, Daddy, and, like, gives really? him a hug. And, like, he, she didn't do that for years because he was so isolated and would just, like, go downstairs right away. Or it was in a crabby mood and we could tell. Now she, like, you know, she has a lot of opinions when he's in a crabby mood and we'll flat out tell him, but...
0: Well, your daughter has a lot of opinions? <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes,
2: she does. But it's not easy to drop the wall. It's like you still sort of feel like you're in this prison and you can't get out because you're scared of what that looks like. And it's like you're completely being totally vulnerable and like in the back of your head, you're going, well, is like I've mentioned to Matt like many times. And actually, that was my question on that you guys answered on the podcast is like how quick it is to go back to the pit. Because, because of that wall. And it's like when you do drop that wall down and the slightest little argument or the slightest little thing, well, boom, like we're going to get divorced and it sends me right back down this dark hole because it's scary. It's scary to have conflict because you're so worried what that conflict is going to come out and explode as. And then, you know, now we're able to like lessen the time that we're mad, and it's not this big, drawn out thing, but it's so hard when you drop your wall to
6: have that one little thing that just sends you backwards, and it's embarrassing, right? And sometimes you don't know something is going to send you backwards, right? You don't, and you too. don't know that you're suddenly going to put your wall up, mm-hmm. but I, I mean, I don't. You know, for us, we have the benefit of being empty nesters. So we've talked about this, Tom and I, process every single day.
0: I'm jealous of that, by the way.
6: (laughs) And, um, you know. (laughs) Sherry's
0: not jealous of that.
1: (laughs) Just too late, Sherry. (laughs) I know. Empty nest, that scares the shit out of me. (laughs) More than relapse. (laughs) Yeah. More than relapse. It always has, I think. (laughs) So,
6: uh... We're both so much more independent. And at this moment, I feel so much healthier. I don't feel like I have any walls right now. I'm sure I do, though. That's what I mean by when they go up, or you find them, or you hit them, it's like, oh, there's a wall there. And I know we had a conversation the other day, and I talked about that, and I don't really know what it was. But yes, you you recover faster from those arguments. Marriages have arguments. Yeah. We're two people coming with two different backgrounds. But now it's differentiating the normal because it's been so abnormal that it's like, oh, is this this is normal, right? Because we're having an argument over food or some stupid like. And honestly, the ability to say, "I'm not in a good place to have this conversation right now." Yeah. Now sometimes those words come out cold between one of us, maybe. But to give the person the space to say, "Not in a good place, can't do this right now," Mm -hmm. and then to not take it personal. Yeah. and there are some times I just don't, I don't tell him, you know, well, will this trigger me or well, will this trigger me? Because some of that is my work to do. It's not for him to fix. Now, if it's a behavior that I keep seeing, it's like, this makes me uncomfortable because this is what it reminds me of. But I can't do that all the time. It like has to be him. Once you get out of victim
2: mode, um, your eyes really open up to knowing how much work you have to do. Because yeah. I thought for a long time, like, you did this, you fix it. Yeah. But I don't, I mean, I didn't think I had to fix anything because he was the one making the mess. And I was the one on the other side receiving it. Until I realized that was being a victim and that I do have things I had to work on. And mm-hmm. that opens up the
1: freedom in that. Yeah, and <laughs> that's where the, the you have to realize that alcohol changed both of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. there is work on both sides. And that's what Matt and I didn't realize for... Those 10 years prior to this um, final sobriety, we kept thinking, remove alcohol. It's going to take everything away. Mm -hmm. Well, and I mean, deep down, I knew I had shit. And I remember on my 40th birthday saying, we have so much stuff that's just not alcohol. Oh, yeah. I carried in a bunch of crap. I developed these terrible behaviors. You've got your stuff you brought in, and then it just kind of lifted the veil to do that. But it's hard when you've built those walls, and I feel like we have, like... I had a wall up even going into the relationship with him.
2: Oh, yeah, me You too. know, there
1: was just things that he was not going to penetrate. Mm-hmm. Like, he was not going to ever find out that about me. He was not, you know. So I was always very guarded to begin with. So I think that was a really long, hard road that I'm still working on. Not just the defense mm-hmm. mechanism from the alcohol and, mm-hmm. and the detachment, but there were other things, too.
0: Brandy, I feel like sometimes you have put pressure on yourself to heal and get that wall down faster. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this process of recovery and having community, does that, does that help you to see that it doesn't, isn't something you need to rush? How does that work for you?
3: Um, I'm, I'm very hard on myself always. Um, I, I love with everything I have, and, mm-hmm. um, but I don't give it freely. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I agree with what Sherry was saying about uh, there were, were some walls that were up, and I mean, Josh, probably he absolutely knows me better than anyone. Mm-hmm. I let him see parts of me that no one else has had the benefit to see, or the curse to see, I don't know, he can tell you that, but that That hurt really hard, so to have your heart broken by somebody that you trusted more than anyone else in the world uh you know that that puts up a bigger wall, and it it's harder to get that wall down, so I put a lot of pressure on myself um because through this process, I thought with a lot of my personal trauma that I brought in to the marriage, and I think just how I view things. I thought that being uh, not letting things affect me every day made me tough. And I took a lot of pride in being hard. And I realized through this process that by not handling things, by not processing things, they had a much bigger hold on me than they would have if I would have been, in my thoughts, weak and let it affect me. Um, so that kind of put me in a tailspin of like, who am I? Like, I don't even know anything about myself. Um, wow. you know, I've taken all this pride in being strong and in a lot of ways I've been the exact opposite. Mm. So it's a sucker punched? It me. is. It, it's a lot. Um, and it, it's, it's a lot on me and he wants me to, you know, of course, let the walls down. Um, I want to let the walls down. I don't know how to do that. Um, so I put a lot of pressure on myself, and I think that is actually uh, counterproductive. Uh, it, it I have to learn to be patient with myself and to figure out how I actually need to handle things instead of just trying to be strong. And me putting pressure on myself to make it happen faster is a way of me trying to make myself be strong. Mm-hmm. So I recognize that I do it, and I think it's interesting like that you recognize that I do that too. Um, it's hard. I don't know. I, well, I have to give myself grace, and I'm not good at that. Not
0: just grace, but credit, because you're here. You're here on this weekend working on it. You're willing to talk about this stuff, for not only for the benefit of our own processing, but for others. And I think that's really fantastic.
2: Oh, and they're no longer our enemy. We're finally on the same team. And I think they can see that now, that we've always been on their team, even though they may have viewed us otherwise.
3: I think that's what's interesting is that I am I'm always one to stand up and defend somebody. I'm always <laughs> one to stand up and have somebody's back. I have a lot of trouble allowing someone to be on my team, allowing someone to have my back. And so that's the wall that's hard to let down is to let him be on my team.
0: Well, well said. Well said by everybody. This is great. Um, I just want to apologize to the listeners. Just, just proof of how low tech this podcast really was. If you thought you heard the sound of a fountain with a small boy peeing into the water, <laughs> that was just the dishwasher that I wasn't smart enough to turn off before we started People recording. We started enough
1: to run it last night. So actually, that's where it started. That's You're right. Where, let's, let's go well, right. Well, to the actually, the I, I think I might have put the last
3: thing in. So it might have been me. No, it was Matt. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, it was, it was definitely <laughs> Matt. that's
1: his job. That's his job. His big chores. The see how open but, we can be now. But, yes, <laughs> over oh, The right cleaning box sliding from one end of yes. the table to the other. That is that is what that.
0: We're not as graceful this time. The the Kleenex passing was pretty good. (laughs) Taking the uh, lotion cap away from Tom, who was fidgeting with it, which I do that with pen caps. So I totally relate to him. So
1: Brandy gave him a hair tie. That's that's my secret. The fidget toys, yes. Um, That's great. No, this has been really, really great, and I love the different perspectives. And I guess I just feel like
8: when you do have community and you do have those tools, like... You know that as a spouse, if a relapse were to happen, it would be short, it would be quick, it would be recoverable. But what we learned is it would affect so many other people that are on the outside of the marriage that wouldn't get it. And so you know that you have that pressure to have a reason and a motivator. And I wouldn't even like pressure, I guess, is the wrong word, but a motivator Mm -hmm. to stay. So we all need some motivation. And like Brandy and Josh, like just here at the end, we spouses need a reason to continue the work, and that's where Matt and I failed at the beginning. We didn't do the work, and it was a lot of time wasted. So, I'm very impressed with all of you but it's for because getting of this
4: you guys in a
8: shorter time frame and not spinning your wheels in the beginning.
6: So, well, I think that's what you all wanted to reach out to people.
8: Mm-hmm.
6: Thank God you did. Yeah. Because you have saved a lot of us, a lot of time, the ones of us that are listening and learning how to do the work together. You changed our lives. You really have. Absolutely.
0: Well, we're blessed to have all of you in our lives. We're blessed to have all of you uh, spending this weekend with us. Now, let's go up the mountain and go snow tubing. (laughs) I am (laughs) now. (laughs) Before you go, we hope you'll consider these three resources.
1: If you love or loved an alcoholic, we offer support and connection in our Echoes of Recovery group. Check us out at echoesofrecovery.org.
0: If you are a high-functioning alcoholic seeking methods and connection in early sobriety, we're ready for you at shoutsobriety.org.
1: No matter who you are, there's something for you in our book, Sober Evolution, Evolve into Sobriety and Recover Your Alcoholic Marriage. Go
0: to soberevolution.org. For my wife Sherry Salis, I'm Matt Salis. Thanks for listening to the Untoxicated Podcast.